Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job, by investing, by having a side hustle, by being a freelancer, an entrepreneur, all that great stuff. And today, I'm bringing on an expert who has actually worked with lots and lots of people in their failures and their successes in learning their financial habits to become more financially successful himself, and he shares those secrets with us today. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We've already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, what's up, guys? Super pumped, as always, to have you here on the Successfully Unemployed show with me. Now, there is a saying, a fantastic saying that I really just grabbed onto a long time ago. Now, the saying goes, a smart man learns from his own mistakes. Well, a wise man learns from other people's mistakes. Now, I read the Bible multiple times a day, like literally multiple times a day. And in reading that, I read how wisdom is one of the best things that you could possibly find, like better, better than treasure and jewelry and all, like everything else, like wealth and riches. Wisdom is so much better than any of that because wisdom will help you, like if you got all those riches, how to effectively and safely and wisely spend and keep that money so you'll have some in the future, make it more and all that great stuff. Well, wisdom is fantastic. And I, and, and reading the Bible, the Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask God and he will give you wisdom. He's the one that has the most wisdom. And as we're talking about today, how we can learn from other people, even, you know, their successes and their mistakes, I'm bringing on a fantastic expert who's been around a lot of people who have become financially independent, but at the same time, also did the opposite, the complete opposite, where they went financial ruin, and they eventually didn't have any money. So he learned lessons from both of them. Now, if you're like me, I know that you want to be financially independent. Obviously, that's why you are listening to the Successfully Unemployed shows, because we want to basically become financially independent. We want to be successfully unemployed. We want to not have to work for somebody else to pay for our bills and provide for our family. Well, in doing that, there are a lot of ways to do it right, but there are probably a million more times ways of doing it wrong. And it's great to learn from somebody who has done all the research for us, basically been around the people, asked the questions, and he himself is financially independent. He himself is successful and employed. And so I'm super pumped. Actually, I was already had him on the show probably about a year ago. And now he's coming back because he wrote a book, a fantastic book. We'll get all into it. And what is terrific is He's taking all this wisdom that he has received from countless other people that he's worked with and helped, and now he's putting in a book for us. But I brought him on the show where he's going to walk us through all these sort of things, and we're going to ask tough questions like, what are things that we must do, or what are things we should stay away from, and what is one big thing that really impacted you that you did not expect? You know, things like that, like deeper things inside the book, but... I am super pumped to bring my friend on. His name's Doc G. We'll get into his name and everything a little bit, but I am glad to have him on the show where he's going to show us how we can learn from other people 
in their successes and failures so that we can become successfully unemployed. All right, let's start the show with Doc G. Matt, Doc, it's so great to see you again. And it's just amazing that uh, it's been a couple of years since we last talked. I mean, it's just so, so funny, but it's great having you on the show again. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe how quickly time flies. I feel like I was just having you on my show not that long ago to talk about homeschooling kids, right? Seriously, I know. And that was well, that was shoot. That was in 2020, and now it's 2022. Now, oh man, time flies. And then you are like last time we were talking. It was as what's great is you go by Doc. You know, Doc G is is the name. And so obviously, being a doctor, you do that. At the same time, you have your own podcast, and now you've written a book, right? I mean, what what's been going on with you? I have two very disparate interests, right? I'm a physician, and I now spend most of my doctoring time doing hospice and palliative care, which is taking care of terminal patients and helping them be comfortable and kind of resolve issues as they get near death. And then my other issue is personal finance. And you would think that they were diametrically opposed, right? Those are two things that are completely different. But I started looking at my experience with the dying and the dying have a lot to teach about life and regrets and and just kind of what happens to them when they realize that they have a finite time left on this earth. Mm. And I started thinking about how those ideas related to money, because I spend a lot of time thinking about money and how important it is to our life and how to make it and what to do with it. And I started just to come up with these hypotheses about what the dying can teach us about money and life. And I think they have some profound messages for us. I'm, I'm in, totally interested in, in looking at it. So let's first talk, because I definitely want to dive into that, because it, when you think about everything in life, all, ultimately, we all die. That's literally a proven statistic. 100% of the people die. You can't take it with you. And so now I'm blessed to be able to focus on uh, generational wealth. Like all of my kids, like you can see the kids in my, my background here. I'm able to give my properties to my kids, all the businesses that I've created, I can give them to my kids, have them obviously work in it. Um, but you can't give a job to your kids. And so thinking about, you know, the end of your life, it's sad. You know, you don't want to think about that. But as you get older, you realize, oh, my goodness, it's possible. So with that, now you are you have your own podcast as well. So how is the podcast going? So the podcast is going well. We like to have these next level conversations about money and life. So it's not the how to, right? It's not how do you put money into a Roth IRA. It's not how do you side hustle. It's more like, okay, you've now built up this fuel. You're putting your money away. You're doing your side hustles or maybe buying real estate. Now, what do you do? And that's kind of that next level discussion I love to have is what do we do with this wonderful bounty of knowledge and information we have? How do we translate that into the quote unquote happiness or good life? Because they're not one in the same, right? It's easy. And you were talking about generational wealth in your kids. We don't create general wealth to create general wealth, generational wealth. We create generational wealth so that future generations can do the things they find most important. And the wealth is that lever that lets them do that. And so I like spending a lot of time talking about what is this wealth going to do for us? What is it going to allow us to do that's going to have real meaning? Absolutely. And I, I really enjoy real estate, but I don't love it. I love what it affords me to do with my life. I love being able to get, I, I really enjoy getting on podcasts. I love um, going to the gym. I love, you know, hanging out with my family. That's what is it is all about. That's what real estate's all about. All the businesses I create. And on top of that, serving others. I love to be able to leave a legacy 
that is beyond me and just being self-centered. Just I could just go play golf all I want and, you know, buy fancy cars. I could just do all that. But it's like, how boring is that? That's just centered around me. And I've heard, and I really love the idea that in our life, we leave legacies. And so in general, we have four legacies that we really want to leave. Number one, a money legacy but for ourselves and for the people. So we have, we work really hard to make enough money to afford whatever we want. And that money leads into time. Having a time legacy that gives us to have the time to, to do whatever we want. Then the time leads into relationships. We have more time. We can develop into our relationships, build those up. So money leads into time. Time leads into relationships. And relationship leads into service. I'm blessed to be at the point, and you are, it seems, as well, that we can lead into service now, that the legacy that we're leaving is to be able to serve as many people as possible to make their lives better. Because I know, and I'm sure you completely see this too, the more people that I help, the better my life gets and the better their life gets and better everything gets. So that's what I love to be able to go that process. Now, when you're thinking about what you, you know, taking care of people on hospice and thinking about death, but also financial, you know, and that book that you're, have you, has it come out yet or it hasn't come out yet? So it comes out August 2nd. So it's been written and it's finished, it's edited, it's ready to go, but it has not dropped yet. Got it. So this episode definitely come out before then. So definitely everybody needs to be able to watch out for it. So what's the name and tell us about it. So the book is called Taking Stock, A Hospice Doctor's Advice on Financial Independence, Building Wealth, and Living a Regret-Free Life. And again, the story is, these are stories that I've learned from the dying that help us put in perspective what money means in our life, and maybe what we should be making our goals instead of money. So again, it's this interesting dichotomy where money is this incredibly powerful tool. It's this potential energy that lets us do other things. But often, especially people we hang out with, sometimes it's easy to forget that it's not the goal unto itself. Like having the money itself only gets you so far. It's then using that money to get in better touch with your own sense of purpose, identity, and connections, which I think is very much tied into the relationships and the service you're talking about. Like we have to know what our purpose in life is. You were talking about how you like real estate, but don't love it. When I see you from the outside, I think of Dustin's a teacher. Right. And I feel like that's a big part of your purpose, which then leads to you identifying a certain way and then you making connections in the world, which is your service. And so it's that purpose, identity, and connections is really what's important. And we have to learn how to use money to better be those things in our life. And I want to pause for a quick second and share that honestly, I really want you to invest in real estate. My new goal in my life, my first goal was to quit my job in 10 years. And I did that, accomplished that at 37. Now my new goal is to help 1 million people invest in real estate. So two things I would ask from you. Number one, if you get anything out of this episode, please share it with somebody else. Just say, hey, you know, check out Dustin. He really wants to help a million people to invest in real estate. That's number one. Number two, I want to get you to invest in real estate get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll literally give you my course, show you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build the business first. You know, I always talk about that and how to find the right properties, how to make sure you're getting experts to do the work for you and scale the business to where you're making $250 or more in passive income, scale it to quit your job, 
I'll literally get it to you or go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Obviously, it'll be in the description, but I really, really want you to invest in real estate because the more that actual normal everyday people own real estate that are good landlords, the better everybody's life gets. How does one find that purpose that they would be able to, because I didn't realize that I was like this until much later on in life. And then I realized, man, I love doing this. This is so much fun doing it. But how do we find that purpose? So that's a great question. And even before I get to that, I think that's really important because one of the things I'm advocating for in this book is actually that we figure purpose and identity out before we talk about the money, because that's going to change how we use the money correctly. So how do you figure out purpose? This is one of the things I love about hospice is there's a little exercise. It's actually part of chapter one of the book at the end, and it helps us find purpose. And so one thing I like to do is I like to put you in the shoes of one of my patients, which obviously I don't want you in the (laughs) shoes of one of my patients, but I like to do the thought experiment. Let's say you walked into my office and I said, Dustin, you know, you look great. You sound great. Everything's going fine. But I just looked at this blood test and I'm sorry to tell you, but you have six months to live. What would you do in those six months? If I presented that situation to you, what are the things that you never had the courage to do that if you knew you only had six months left, you would go and try? Who are the people you would connect with maybe people that you had broken relationships with, maybe people you never had the courage to meet. Who are those people? What type of legacy would you want to make sure you secure for your children in those six months? What I hypothesize is very few of those most important questions would surround money. You wouldn't say, gosh, I wish I worked a few more weekends. You wouldn't say, gosh, I wish my net worth was 2 million instead of 1.5 million. Um, But you would start thinking about what are the things, if I knew life was extremely limited, that I would feel regret and remorse that I didn't do. And that's the kind of exercise you don't want to do all in one sitting. You really want to do that over days or weeks. Really contemplate it. Like, what are my true goals? What's important to me? what do I want to leave on this earth? Um, and that's a really great way of starting the process of thinking about purpose. Now, a lot of people say, you know, Jordan, I've tried doing that and I just can't visualize it. And so I think the next step then is you have to start searching for purpose, which means you have to get out of your comfort zone. Like sometimes when we look for purpose, you have to kind of say yes to things you normally wouldn't say yes to, right? How often do people say, hey, I'm going to this museum or I want to volunteer over here. Why don't you come with me? And we naturally say no. If you're looking for purpose, you have to say yes to a lot of things. You have to start doing things that are uncomfortable for you. You have to start getting involved in ways you normally wouldn't. It's a process of opening yourself up and trying to experience life. And instead of that kind of pessimistic, no, that isn't right for me, It's more like, let's try it and experience it and see. And I think the mistake people make about purpose is they feel like you have to have this consistent purpose all of your life. And I don't think that's the case. Like for me at the beginning of my life, my purpose was really to become a doctor. Like my dad died when I was seven and I wanted to be just like him and he was a doctor. And so I had this really huge drive to become a doctor. And it really drove me through high school and college and studying and medical school. And for that time in my life, that very much was my purpose 
And I identified with that and it felt good. As I got older and I got burned out in medicine, I realized that I wasn't really identifying as a doctor anymore. I didn't feel comfortable hanging out with other doctors. I wasn't making doctor friends. That identity no longer fit. And I had to pivot and say, okay, that's not who I feel like I am anymore. What is? And I started realizing the thing that I liked the most, the thing that like woke me up in the middle of the night and I had to go to my computer is I like to write. I like to public speak. I like to communicate. So I started developing those parts of my life in which I could do that freely. I started a blog about finances. I started a podcast. I started doing more public speaking engagements. Those are the things that ended up being at least at this time in my life being my purpose. And when I felt like I was living through my purpose and felt more secure in what my identity was, all of a sudden I started connecting with people in ways that I had never connected before. So you know, I would go into the doctor's lounge as a new doctor and I wouldn't feel comfortable. I wouldn't feel connected to anyone there. On the other hand, I would meet someone like you at a financial get together or meetup or go to a, a big meeting like a FinCon and feel like we had known each other forever. I definitely resonate with that. So for the longest time, I thought myself an entrepreneur, which I'm not against that. Or I'm not, not that, but I'm definitely an entrepreneur. But then I started investing in real estate and I know that I'm an investor. Like that's, that's what I tell everybody because that's what I want to do. But then over time, it turns out that I'm a creator. Like I love creating content. I love helping and educating. Like you said, I feel much more at home personally around content creators as opposed to real estate investors. Don't get me wrong. I love real estate investors. They're, they're my people. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like, oh, this is my, these are my people, the content creators. I feel like I can hang with them all day because it's not necessarily specifically finance or specifically real estate, but we create, we build things together, like not together, but like we, we have the same vision. I love that. So that's, I completely resonate with that. On top of that, I think it's a brilliant idea. If you don't know what your purpose is, you got to get out of yourself, get out of your shell, get out of like what, what you, where you think you are, because unless you try something new, like I would have known, would not have known that I'm a content creator if I would have just said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and try this. I didn't want to, I didn't need to, it just real estate investing is all I, I didn't need to do anything else, but I said, I'm going to try it. And I found out I loved it. So now what is, after we realize we have a purpose and I, I do want to quickly touch on the idea that at the end of your life, if you had six months left, you're not going to say, I'm going to go work more. No, you're like, if I only got six months left, I'm going to do what I want to do. So that is another big eye opener for me is like, what would I literally do if I only had six months left to live? And then with that, working our way backwards and then planning our life. So let's say we had that purpose. We know what direction we want to go. What are those insights that you've weaned off of all this work with hospice that we can now take that purpose to move it forward to be able to benefit the rest of our life? So I think the first step in this process is kind of figuring out what your purpose and identity are. And we talked about kind of that purpose work. Identity work is similar. It's a series of exercises where you ask, what am I? And start really delving deeply into what you feel most connected to, or even asking people around you what they know you for. The connections come directly from that. But the next step, in my opinion, is then we pivot over to the finances. We know what we feel our purpose is. How do we then integrate that into a financial framework that allows us to live out that purpose and identity? And there are different ways to do that. And this is where the financial independence part comes because our finances are a lever to live a contented life. A contented life means living up to our purpose, identity, and connections. 
We've defined what we think those are. Now let's build that financial framework. And when I'm talking about the financial framework, I actually tell a parable of the three brothers. And I'm not going to go deeply into it now, but the idea is there are three different paths we can take. One is extremely fast and straightforward. And that's kind of the typical way people reach financial independence is they work really hard, save a lot of money and invest it. The second way is one that's still somewhat straightforward, but with a lot of stops and breaks and time in between to get their energy back and then eventually arrive. And that's more kind of the passive income real estate path where we build these sources of passive income so that we don't have to grind, have our head to the stone 100%. We can take some time off. We can do some of those things we like. And then the last road or the youngest brother loves their path. So they get to the end of the road. And instead of being done and doing whatever they want, they turn around and walk back in the opposite direction. The path of the youngest brother is really someone who does the passion play where they love their work. So their work fulfills their sense of purpose, identity, and connections. So there's no reason for them ever to stop working or retire because they're doing what they love from the outset. So those are kind of like the three main paths in this parable. The key now is to try to figure out what's your personality type. Like me, I wanted, I was a physician and I had a high paying job. And when I realized that I didn't want to be a physician anymore, it was easiest for me to put the nose to the grindstone, make as much cash as possible, and then really leave all those things I didn't like about work. But there are a bunch of 20 year olds walking around there that say, you know, I'm not averse to work, but I don't want to do the typical nine to five thing. But hell, I'd love to like, you know, study up on real estate and invest in some units. And, you know, maybe I'll have to go do some fixes and deal with some tenants and those kind of things. But then that'll also allow me to travel some. Plenty of people there, or there's plenty of people who are like artists, or there's some people who have online digital businesses who love what they do. Um, and then we'll just go ahead and build that life they love right now. The idea is to take that sense of purpose and build a financial structure that allows you to live that out as much as possible starting today, as opposed to the, once I have a million dollars, I can start doing what I want to do. Or once I retire, I can go take those trips. Like the idea is to build the financial framework now. And that's kind of the second step of what I would say are the real three steps outlined in the book. I definitely want to talk about problematic thing, not problematic. That's not what I would say. Like there's probably some people that you've come across. It's like, oh, that's tragic. That's a tragic story. We need to help people to get to where they don't have that tragic story. I want to get there. But before we do, what's the third step? What's the next step in this process to where we are as best as we can set up for when we do pass? we had a, a well-lived life. So the third step is to decide what scares you more. The idea that you're going to die today and not be able to do all those things you wanted to do or the fear that you're going to live really long and run out of money. Because here's the way I think about it. Once you kind of know what your purpose and identity are, you can then build a financial framework. But how fast you build that financial framework really depends on that basic fundamental fear. Am I going to die soon and I want to make sure I enjoy myself and do what I want to do? Or am I afraid I'm going to live a long time and run out of money? Let me give you an example. My father died at 40. But interestingly enough, he told my mom when he married her, he said, I hate to say this, but I really feel like I'm going to die young. He said that to her from the beginning. Wow. So when I look at what my father did financially, he was a doctor. He had a good job, but you know, he didn't really invest a lot. There wasn't this big pressure to save. He had hobbies and he traveled and he had things he really enjoyed doing. 
my father lived in the moment very much. Now that doesn't mean he didn't have life insurance. So when he did die, we had, you know, financial security, that kind of stuff. But he wasn't really worried about building this huge financial legacy or building a huge retirement fund that was going to last him for a long time because he didn't think he was going to make it. So he died at 40, but he lived a very full life up to that point. You know, when he died, he was learning another language. He had a big work area in the basement where he did a bunch of woodworking and leatherworking. I mean, this guy really enjoyed it. He played the harmonica. I mean, this guy really enjoyed himself. I compare that to me. I've always had this idea that I was going to live a long time. So I wasn't worried that I'm going to die tomorrow. I better live every day. I was more like, I think I'm going to live a long time and I want to be able to do what I want to do. So let me work really hard, save a lot of money and get it invested so that I have enough money to really pay for years and years of life. It's going to change how we plan our financial independence plan. I think everyone should go to financial independence and plan for it, whether you think you're going to die young or whether you think you're going to live a long time. But if you think you're going to die young, you know, save 10%, not 50%, and use the difference to like YOLO today. You only live once, go have fun, spend your money, do those things you want to do. If you really don't think you're going to live to an old, old age, do those things now, but keep on saving that 10%, keep on investing, build that financial independence framework. If you are right and you died young, then you lived it up. And if you are wrong and you don't die young, you know what? You might have to work till 65. You're not going to retire at 40. But guess what? You've been living it up all those years. So you're working, but you're still doing what you want to do and having fun. That's pretty interesting. I never would have thought. I literally, it would have just escaped my mind to think I might die young. Let me go ahead and you know, start using it now. Not saying that's bad. I just never would have thought that. Is there some way a happy medium in between? Because that's where I kind of, I don't think I'm going to live very, very long. In fact, my mom died when she was 54. I'm 52 now. So if that matches up, 12 more years. And my grandpa, her dad, died when he was 54, 55 ish. And then his brother died when he was like 55, 56. Like, well, that's not very good. But at the same time, my dad, he is literally 76 now, 75 now. And he doesn't look like he's going to go anytime soon. All that to say, is there somewhere like a happy medium in between the two? Yeah. So if you think about it, let's say the extreme, right? If if you look at the fire movement, financial independence, retire early, you have people who are advocating saving 50 or 75% of their income. Okay. That's the extreme, right? So then you have the other side, people who think they're going to die tomorrow, maybe they save 10%. So you know what, if you think you're going to die in the 50s, maybe you have a decade or two, save 20 or 30%. The key is you don't want to make the mistake that you don't enjoy yourself today, especially if you just don't think longevity is in your future. You want to enjoy those dollars. I mean, you're working to create potential energy. That potential energy is supposed to fulfill a sense of purpose and meaning it's really tragic to die with all that potential energy there when you could have used it. That doesn't mean you shouldn't save for the future. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have a financial independence framework. It's just a question of how aggressive you are. And you can toggle up and down depending on what you think your circumstances are. And of course, no one really knows. Like, I don't know. Not everyone is as certain as my dad was, but these are our best guesses. And so we use the best guesses to make informed decisions. And then we toggle back and forth depending on what's going on in our life. And the key is to really maximize the time spent doing those things you want to do, because we know time is finite and it's limited. You can't buy time. You can't sell time. There's only two things you can do. 
One is you can arrange what fills that time. Like, what am I personally doing and do I enjoy it or not? The other is we, we can do little tweaks to experience that time differently, right? So, you know, my example is go ahead and sit there in the plank position for two minutes and tell me how that two minutes feels compared to watching TV for two minutes or doing something enjoyable for two minutes. Obviously, it goes by very slow if you're doing a plank. Yeah. So we can manipulate time a little bit, but really it's a pretty set phenomena. So how are we going to fill that time? That's great. Now, the thought comes to me because you're going to have, you're going to come across lots and lots of people doing hospice, and you're also going to come across stories they have. And obviously we have that in the book. We got definitely got a kit. So I definitely want everybody to go and get your book when it's out. And with that, is there any tragic, not necessarily the story that we don't have to hear the specific story, but like any tragedy that you see, man, people need to learn a principle from this strategy, this tragedy, tragedy, so that we, they can implement that now so that they don't get to where they end up like this person. I can give you a perfect example, actually. Um, notably the names, ideas, and specifics of all the stories had to be changed because I didn't want anyone to be able to identify themselves or be identified by the book. But the gist of the story is I had a patient who was in her 80s who had a terminal illness, but it was very slow. In fact, she had gotten sick 10 or 20 years earlier and just had slowly gotten sicker and sicker. And she had a daughter who was taking care of her. And her daughter spent all her time taking care of her mother. That, that was, in fact, all she did. She kept on making plans to get help, but then she felt guilty. And there was one day that I was visiting my patient in the hospital. I was seeing her. The 80-year-old lady was in the emergency room. It was a cold winter Chicago day. Her daughter had come to see her in the emergency room, too, and she slipped on the ice and broke her ankle. So I walk into the emergency room, my patient's in one room, her daughter's in the next room. My patient ends up in the hospital for a day or two. It gets transferred to a nursing home. Her daughter broke her ankle, can't go home on a broken ankle because you really can't get around. I actually arranged for her to have a room right next to my patient at the nursing home. So I have my patient in one room, the daughter next to her in the nursing home Two nights in, the daughter gets up to grab a glass of water. She wasn't supposed to because she had a broken ankle. She was supposed to call for help. She didn't. She fell and hit her head. Goes to the emergency room. Within an hour, she's dead. Oh, my. That's tragic. And so I actually had to go in and tell my patient that her daughter died. It was horrible. And the conversation I had with the patient, we both were tearful. I mean, I, I had taken care of this lady for years. And she said to me, time waits for no one. I think it was a valuable lesson about how we spend our time, how we spend our money. My patient's daughter had enough money. She could have hired some help. She could have been more thoughtful about how she spent those 10 years taking care of her mom. Taking care of her mom was a wonderful thing. Very important. But she also gave up on working herself. She eschewed relationships. Right? She was single. She never dated. She had always talked about using a dating app, never had. She had talked about working at a store down the road just as a clerk, just to get out there and meet people, but she never did. We make these decisions about our time. And the problem is, is we're not always thoughtful about how we allocate our time and energy. This patient did a fabulous thing. She was by her mother's side every moment for 10 years, but talking to her mother, she would have been okay if she wasn't there every moment. 
she would have felt some own happiness knowing that her daughter did spend some of those that time doing things she would have liked, especially knowing now that she was going to die quite unexpectedly and early. And I think that story really resonates with me. And it, it, it colors the way I think about how we think about making money, but it's not just making money. It's really our whole decision framework of, of how do we decide what's important in our life and how do we allocate our energy and resources to make the most use of that? Well, definitely that's a tragic story, but then also that's a very, it's poignant. Like we definitely need to have that type of understanding that life is so fragile and everything can be taken away in a drop of a hat. Like you get a car accident, you could have aneurysms. Like just no matter what, there's something that can happen. And so living, yeah, living like that in with the end in mind, knowing that something could happen and being thoughtful. That's, it seems like that's for me coming to me is like being thoughtful in everything that we do. So, uh, Man, that's great. So, Doc, I don't want to keep you too much, but tell us about how they can find you, how they can find their book, even listen to your podcast, because I know people are going to want to learn a lot more about everything you just shared. So the easiest way and probably the best hub is to go to my personal website. My name is Jordan Grummet, G-R-U-M-E-T. So it's jordangrummet.com, J-O-R-D-A-N-G-R-U-M-E-T.com. The reason I say there is because I'm in multiple disparate places. I have a podcast and a blog. So the easiest way is to go there and it'll point you in all those directions. But to listen to the podcast, it's earnandinvest.com. That's another way, an easy way to find me. I'm also on social media in various places, but as opposed to overwhelming the audience with that, I'd say go to one of those websites and you will find all my links to social media too. Doc, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's great seeing you again. Hopefully we'll be able to get together soon at a conference or something else like that. Yeah, I definitely, I, you know, COVID made me miss being around people and how nurturing it is just to be in the same space. We're lucky enough to have things like Zoom technology to be able to see each other and talk to each other from afar, but there is, is nothing like being in the same room with someone. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses group coaching with me and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. That's R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777 so you can see how you can quit your job that J-O-B by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in successful unemployed, more than likely you're going to find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successfully Unemployed on YouTube 
And wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successful, unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya. See ya.